Hello, my fellow limpers. This is Jordan Ross, your host at the What's Your Limp podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode. And I have a really exciting guest today. So today's guest is an old friend of mine. We we never knew each other super well, but we hung around uh, the same crowd back when we were young, you know, kids trying to make it out in LA in this crazy industry. Her name is Shelby Young. And uh, we'd bump into each other at parties or gatherings or, uh, you know, just out and about. And um, she was always a, a really, really nice, kind person and and uh, had a, a really fun personality. But we never really got to talk one on one that often. So uh, whenever I reached out to her to be a guest on this podcast, I was really excited when she said yes, because it was an opportunity to do just that. Um since we were kids, she has gone on to accomplish some really, really cool things. She had already done some some cool things back when we were kids. She was a recurring character on Everybody Hates Chris um, and several other uh, cool projects. But since then, she has appeared in The Social Network and American Horror Story. She has dozens of awesome voiceover credits, and she has over 2 million followers on TikTok where she does different impressions and really fun voiceover videos. Anyway, uh, we sat down and we talked about, uh, you know, just some insecurities that pop up as a child and teenager in this industry, uh, as well as different issues from anxiety to IBS to a bunch of other issues. So uh, it was fun to sit down and talk to her about all of that. This is a little bit of a shorter episode because uh, Shelby had something else that came up last minute. So she had to to get off a little bit earlier. So this is kind of a, a fun size episode, but hopefully we can have Shelby on again in the future to talk about some other insecurities. Uh, and maybe I can even share another one of my poop stories. You heard that right. I do tell a poop story in this episode. And yes, I do have more than this one poop story, but I'm going to save the other ones for future podcasts. I don't, I don't want to just put them all out there at once. I'm, I'm going to save those for later. So I uh, keep tuning in and maybe you'll hear some other poop stories in the future. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Shelby's really cool as a great personality uh, and uh, was was just really open and transparent. And it, it was just a really refreshing uh, conversation. So I think all of you are going to enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy this original music by Devin Levi at Devin Levi Music. Be sure to give him a follow and enjoy this episode of What's Your Limp? Thank you so much for joining me. Like we said, I think it's been like 15 years since we've seen each other. I remember seeing you at like gatherings or parties. I think the last time I saw you, the last time I remember seeing you, I was probably like 17, um, almost half my life ago. And yeah, and we were at this park with, I was with my good friend, Drew Herring. Oh my God, (laughs) that's a name from the past. (laughs) I was with Drew and a few of our friends because I lived with like six different people at the time. And we were all this part. You guys go viral for doing the the Superman. The The soldier boy. Soldier boy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
it got taken <laughs> down because of like copyright issues. No. I have it saved somewhere, but oh I wish I would have like had the, uh, you know, I wish I was savvy enough to have capitalized on that viral video because at, for a while it was early on in, in YouTube, uh, yeah. like in the age of YouTube, but it got like, I think it was like 14 million views and we had a uh, Weezer reach out to us and be like, Hey, do y'all want to like reenact your video for a music? Yes. And, I remember this. But I didn't think that it was really Weezer. So I like ignored it. And then they got lookalikes to do it for their music video. Um, so yeah, I, I wish I would have known back then. But, but the internet was such a different place then too, where it's like, why would you think Weezer is actually reaching out because of a video? Now it's like, well, why wouldn't Weezer reach out because yeah. of a video? Oh now you do a video and the expectation is that you get famous from it. So, <laughs> oh God. Um, at the time it was, it was a different beast, but um. But yeah, so we're in a park. Yeah, we were at a park. We so I, I can't remember which park it was, but we lived right down the road from it. And I don't know if someone was like texted you and was like, "Hey, we're hanging out at this park. Come say hi." Or if you just happened to be there, but uh, you were there, and we all just kind of hung out at this park and we're being a bunch of hooligans and throwing the football around or whatever. But what? that's the last time I remember seeing you. But uh, I don't know a lot about like your past or how you got to where you are today. So that's what I was curious about. Yeah. Um, so where did you grow up? Like what, what was your, your childhood like? Totally. Yeah, no. So I started acting as a kid, but I, I was born in Florida. Um, and I lived there until I was 12 officially. Well, no, even a little bit younger. I was going back and forth between New York and Florida for a, a few years. But then when I was 12, my mom and I made the jump to move out to LA to pursue acting because New York when I was younger, I really was interested in musical theater. But then while I was there, I started booking more like independent films and some episodic stuff. So my agents were like, no, no, go to California. That's where that is. Um, so I've been, I mean, I've just been at this for literally my entire life. Um, but then a few years ago, I kind of transitioned over to the voiceover and motion capture world. Um, and I've been absolutely loving it so much. Yeah, it seems it was a very like... short version of my life story. <laughs> so you said your mom moved out there with you. How did they react whenever you first kind of showed that you had the bug for for this? Yeah, yeah. My my mom especially was like super gung ho about it. Um, I I I'm trying to remember. I think I mean this is all like what I've been told because I was so little. I don't remember any of this. But there was a newspaper article about a pageant. And my mom was like, let's, this is when I was like three. And my mom said, let's do this for fun. Why not for an afternoon, kill some time. And I guess I ended up placing. And then we had to kind of go on this like circuit. And then there were judges at the end that were film and, or not film and TV, modeling and, and commercial agents in Miami. And so that sort of started that. And so when they showed interest, my mom was excited. I was always a little ham anyway. Like anytime a camera was out, I was like, let me perform. <laughs> I, I remember I would stand in front of the TV and reenact commercials. I was, I was, you know, I was one of those kids. So yeah, very supportive. My dad as well. My dad got more supportive as I got older too. I think it was one of those things where, you know, people can have dreams and you don't want to, you want to support those dreams, but you don't know if they're really realistic dreams. But then once they start going well, it's like, oh, wait, I am on board for this. This is working. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have some, some family members that were the same where <clears throat> they, you know, th they were never just like, no, you're wasting your time. Like mm -hmm. don't, don't bother. But I, I have several realist family members that, you know, would kind of 
they were a little more like hesitant to to jump in full force with me. They they would kind of yeah. try to show me the other side and and uh, prepare me for the potential of failing and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, as as they eventually saw like, oh, he's not gonna stop doing this, like whether right. he makes it or not. They were like, okay, cool. You know, we'll we'll support it. Um, so funny. No, honestly, just. Oh, two weeks ago, I talked to my my great uncle, my grandma's brother, and he was like, you know, I really thought you were going to end up flipping burgers at Burger King because you didn't go to college and you were pursuing this thing, but you proved me wrong. And I'm like, look, there's nothing wrong with flipping burgers, but I am glad I proved you wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> there's a moment of like, yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they get to see that like it wasn't all for nothing. Oh, uh, we we do that. everything for the approval of our families. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like that's kind of what it all comes down to. Um, <laughs> so getting started, because I, I was around the industry my whole life too. My my grandpa has acted forever and oh, cool. you know, I had grown up on film sets and, and so I had seen it. And then I started acting when I was around six in theater. Um, so as someone else who got into the industry at a super early age, at what point did you kind of start to realize? Because at first it's just kind of fun and you don't really understand it. You you just yeah. show up and do what they tell you to do. Yeah. Um, but when did you start to realize that it was much more cutthroat and um, toxic in a lot of ways than you may have realized whenever you were a kid? Yeah. When I was 16, my agent and manager at the time um, told me that I was too fat, basically, even though I was very skinny. And again, like not that that should ever matter regardless, but I told them I was a size small and they're like, no, you're not. And so they took me shopping to try to prove to me that I wouldn't fit into size small clothing, which surprise I did because I was a size small. I just wasn't like muscly or toned, which I guess they wanted me to be, but it made me feel like garbage. Like I felt awful after that. And I was like, whoa, this is what that's about. So I left them um, Good. and my next manager, when I was still doing on camera was amazing because she was like, she sat me down. I don't even think she knew about this, but she was like, you're a teenage girl. And I want you to know, I will never discuss your weight with you. I don't care what your body looks like. If your body changes as you get a little older, cause you're getting like, I was again, like 16, 17, and everybody's body changes. She's like, there might just be different roles you read for, but it doesn't matter to me. And I'm like, thank you. This is what it should be. But that sadly wasn't what was normal then. I think things are progressing now to where we are seeing more body types on TV. And 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 I hope that it just continues because, man, I felt awful. I felt like – but I also I, – I, it was like this weird thing where I felt like ashamed of not being fit, but then it made me mad. And I feel like I started eating more junk food after that because I was like, screw you guys, like <laughs> – which was terrible, but that was the moment for real. Like there were other moments where I would, I really hated when I was younger that there was such a, I mean, it's a competitive industry for sure, but specifically in the on-camera world, it feels really competitive when you're a young teen because it is so looks-based sometimes. Yes. Whereas one of the things I love with the voiceover world is I don't feel competitive at all because I know it fully comes down to the best person for the role is going to book it. And when I don't book it, I want a friend to book it. And again, I'm older now and I've matured and, I, and you know, there are, there are still those moments where someone books something that I'm like, oh, I wanted that one, but it's okay. It's okay. There'll be another. But yeah, with the, with the on-camera world, there was a lot of like, um, 
toxic friendships in in that as well, where it was like just a weird competitive, like, well, did you get this audition? What about that one? And I never, I never liked that. I was something that mm-hmm. wasn't me. And when I felt myself falling into the game of that, I was like, I just felt, I felt bad. It's this weird thing. It's like the Hunger Games or something where it's turning all of these friends and all of these vulnerable teenagers against each other. It's it's really sad how that happens. Yeah. And I will say for the most part, like my really core group of friends that I was hanging out with around that time, it wasn't like that, which was amazing. And they were all also in the industry because I was, I, I don't know, were you homeschooled also? Or yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, it was like, we didn't have the whole school thing. So you would hang out with other actor kids because they had the same schedule as you. We'd go to city walk and do whatever <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. I actually, it, whenever I was a teenager, I was like, I'm going to work at City Walk one of these days. And I ended up waiting tables at Bubba Gump for a couple of years. Because, Amazing. So I, I accomplished my dream. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so speaking of friends and stuff in the industry, a lot of the people on our friend group alone, and I, I know I'm sure you have a lot of other people, you know, that have been really successful in the career in this uh, industry. But uh, I remember being a teenager and being out there, a lot of the friends that I would hang out with, it was like this, this frustrating thing where, and I've matured, like you said, where, where you become happier for people when you get older, when they book things. But if you, when I was a teenager and my friends were all booking stuff like series, regular roles on like Disney channel shows or whatever, and I'm not I'm booking anything. Like I get a student yeah. film at UCLA or something. Um, it was really, really, really hard not to compare myself. Did yeah. you ever struggle with that with your, Oh, totally. Years? Yeah. And I always felt guilty for, for like comparing myself because you know, the saying, and it's true. It's like, no, I'm, I'm butchering the saying. There is no saying it's no one's journey is the same. Whatever that saying is more yeah. eloquent than I just said it, but it's like, you can't judge someone else's journey because your path is different, but yeah, it's a, it, it, like you have, I have these moments where I would be so like, I still, again, for my close friends, I was always thrilled. Even when I was in the throes of like feeling that competitive thing at like 14, 15, mm-hmm. I would so I would be stoked for them. But then I'd go home and cry and be like, I'm worthless. <laughs> I'm yeah. not talented. I'm terrible. That's why I'm not booking things like, no, it's a really competitive. And it sounds like we're just shit talking the industry. Honestly, there's so many more positives than negatives for me, at least. I really, really love the acting world. But when you're a teenager, it's already tough enough with all your hormones and just figuring out who you are. And then to throw the fact that sometimes you were the breadwinner for your family, or you are trying to just have a a full like career at such a young age. It's just, my cats are fighting in the background. I see that. Yeah. It's Simba. (laughs) It's just one of those things that, yeah, it can really damage your self-esteem or it can give you a, a false sense of importance on the other end too. Like there were times where I would feel so cool because I did book something cool. And then I'd have to have like a reality check of Shelby. You're just a dumb, normal girl that happened to get lucky for a job. Like this cannot go to your head. <laughs> yeah. And then you go like 50 straight auditions without booking anything. Where... And then it humbles you real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, but like there, there is a lot of positives. I think <clears throat> you know, I think the the biggest ones for me are like, once you're making the art and you're with people that you really get along with and you love and you all kind of have yeah. this good goal, there's nothing like that. But as a kid navigating the politics of all of it. The and pressure, the, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's but, a lot. 
No, it's so true. Like I am absolutely at my happiest when I'm in my recording booth or on a like set or just working with other creatives and bringing a character to life. That's why I do it. If I didn't love it, I there are enough negatives that I wouldn't have continued. But because the positives are so freaking awesome, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned whenever we were emailing about like, you know, we were talking about insecurities and stuff. You had mentioned anxiety uh, yes. being something. When did that kind of start popping up and how did it uh, kind of manifest itself in you? Like, it, was it more internal or was it something physical? Like, how, how did that come So up? I've always had stomach issues my whole life. And like, it was something I was so embarrassed to talk about when I was younger, just because it's like bathroom stuff and people are like, ew, gross, but I have IBS. And it was, that's what made my anxiety peak where I was on medication for a while for the anxiety because I ended up becoming like, like slightly agoraphobic because I'd be so scared that I would, it was a cycle where I'd stress myself out, which would make me feel sicker, but then I'd feel sicker. And then I'd be scared to go to a party or to a friend's house because what if something embarrassing happens and I need to go to the bathroom? Like at that whole thing that now, again, as an adult, who cares? But when Everybody you're younger, poops. Right, exactly. But when you're younger and like, I remember people would make little like jokes about IBS and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, out of all of the health conditions one can have, it's so it's, it's, I'm thankful that that's all that I have, but like I, yeah, it, it just, I started getting anxious because of that. And then on top of that, I've always had just work anxiety too, but that, that didn't really rear its head until the health anxiety stuff started. And then it kind of all culminated, but like to this day, I still, <laughs> I was just talking on the phone with my friend who also is the same way as me with, with the work stuff, but it's like, I'll have a session. I'll record with an amazing group of people. It will have gone so well. I'll know in the room, they're so happy with what I'm doing. They're laughing at all the right moments. I'm, I'm hitting the jokes. It's great. And then I walk out of the room and I'm like, they hated me. They're never going to hire me again. I was awful. They were just laughing because they felt bad. Like, And my brain just goes and goes. And that's why I'm in therapy dealing with anxiety. <laughs> I think everyone should be in therapy, especially oh, yeah. actors, because that's our our product that like is ourselves. Yeah. So if we're not taking care of that, then, you know, it, it can get bad, especially because we're asked to open up a, a bunch of wounds and Always. Yeah. It all. so it's, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and speaking of IBS, I've never been diagnosed with it or on medication. I'm pretty sure I have it though, because I've had that same anxiety and I imagine being, especially in your teens and, yeah. and a girl, it's something where it's like, oh, you know, with a guy, it's different, but it's like guys, totally. are, especially teenage guys are weird about girls. Like they're like, oh, girls don't poop. Um, I know. And it's, oh, I know. It was, the, I hated like, cause my stomach also always growls and it still happens. And I still get embarrassed if I'm in a quiet room and it's just like, like nothing I can do. But yeah. yeah, when I was, when I was younger, it really, really bugged me. But then I, the medication I went on for anxiety did not work for me. I just turned into a zombie and that's not to say medication isn't helpful because for a lot of people it is. And maybe there's another one I should be on, but I'm, I, I, I've gotten over that, that portion. But like, even today I was like, oh, my back hurts. Is it my kidneys? Am I okay? Like I for sure just have general, I've been diagnosed with general anxiety, but it veers toward health and work. <laughs> yeah. I think th those are probably pretty common. I, I, yeah. I'm the same way in a lot of ways. And like, I think that, um, especially in this industry, like if, if you have to use the restroom or something and you're on set, it's, there may not be a restroom anywhere nearby. Oh. And 
No. If, if you, if it's in between takes or something and you have to go use the restroom, you're like pressured. Cause you're like, I don't want anyone to know that it's number two. I want, I like, I need to hurry as fast as I can. Like I've, I've had a lot of instances like that. I have to be very careful about what I eat before and during shooting something because Imagine doing mocap where you're in a one piece suit that is Velcroed and it's like to take it off. Some studios now they, they put a lot of the, um, the gear like on the upper half of your body. So it's not as difficult, but, um, I got so sick. I had a parasite for a little while, which was super fun. Um, and it was while I was filming the first video game I ever did mocap on and no one knows. So if anybody from that game is hearing this surprise, but I didn't want to tell anybody that I was sick. And I would get, I would drive to Marina Del Rey to shoot, but I would get there an hour early to go to the Denny's because I was like, I know I'm sick every morning. I didn't know I had a parasite yet. I was just like, it was like a cycle where every day I was really sick in the morning. I didn't feel good during the day. And then at night I was okay. So I would eat and then I'd wake up and feel awful. And it took like three weeks of this for me because I was a dumb 18 year old, but I went to a doctor finally and they're like, um, you've got a problem. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, but I, yeah, dealing with the Velcro suit, I would come up with dumb excuses as to why I adjusted it. Cause I didn't want to tell them. I'd be like, Oh yeah, I was sitting weird. And the Velcro did a thing like, uh. <laughs> it's so weird that shame we have whenever it comes to that. I, I, so if this will make you feel better because this is probably it's not the most, I have a lot of stories like this, but this is one of the most embarrassing things that's happened to me. Um, it wasn't like film industry related, but I was my girlfriend or it's my wife now, but at the time oh. we were just dating. Um, and she had, so this was like 10 years ago and I was living in LA. It was long distance. And this was just a couple of months into our relationship. And she flew from Texas to California to visit me. And it was like the second night she was in town. And have you seen 500 Days of Summer? Yes. So, you know, the benches that overlook Los Angeles, so that park's yeah. gone now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, oh, no. <laughs> we liked that movie. And she, I was like, oh, I'm going to, it'll be cute. Well, I'll take her there and we'll like watch a sunset from that park. So um, we went and got some burgers at like this burger stand that I love. Um, and we ate there and then we drove to this park and we had to park, you know, like six blocks away or whatever, because it's downtown LA. Yeah. Um, and I guess there, these burgers, maybe they weren't very good or something was this is my nightmare. Something was off. Yeah. And we, <laughs> we got out of the car and as soon as we got out, I don't have a very long warning period when I have to go, it's like, yeah. I have to find somewhere within like 10 or 15 minutes tops. Like it's, it's a really, really short span. You really might have IBS. That's like a, yeah. I think I do. I, I probably should get it like, get, get it <laughs> officially diagnosed. But I, um, we got out of the car and we were walking and I could kind of feel it. And I was like, it's good. Like, I'm just, we're going to walk to the bench and I'll sit for a while and maybe it'll kind of like go away. Um, so we're walking and we're about halfway there and it's not really subsiding. So I'm starting to get a little bit nervous and we get there to the bench and we sit down and I, I don't say anything yet. Um, and we, we get to this bench and I notice the park is like, there's not a whole lot of people there. So I'm like, oh, worst case scenario, if I need to find a tree or something. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I'm sitting there, we take some like cute couple pictures on this bench. Um, and then finally I'm thinking if I sit for a while, it'll be yeah. good enough to like get up and find a restroom, but it wasn't sitting like, it wasn't getting any better. It was just getting so much worse. I we're sitting there and we're about to get up and she stands up and I'm still sitting there. 
And she's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, no, nah, I have to use the restroom. I'm just trying to sit for a minute. And she was like, oh, well, you know, there's a hotel like a block that way. I'm sure they have one in the lobby. And I was like, okay, cool. So I get up and um, I'm like, we need to hurry though, because it's like, it's red alert right now. And she was like, okay, cool. So uh, she starts kind of like walking pretty quickly towards this hotel and I'm behind her. She's a ride or die. Yeah. And she turns around and I'm just standing there and she's like, what? And I was like, it it happened. No! So I'm standing in the middle of this park and I just pooped myself and we had to walk back to the car through downtown LA through like this market. And she went into this little tiny like store and bought me some sweatpants and I had to find a restroom in this like shady looking, like behind the shady looking fish market. It was like something in a movie. And I had to find this little rinky restroom and clean my, I destroyed that restroom trying to clean myself. No. Yeah. And then we had to drive home and now we're married and have three kids. So it worked out, but three kids. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a five. That's like, I'm done at three. I'm tapping out there, but um, I've got a five-year-old girl uh, who's almost six, a two-year-old girl. She's going to be three in August and then a one-year-old boy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, this was a fun poop show. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've I've been waiting to share that story on here, but there hasn't been an opportunity yet. So I'm glad I could be the catalyst for that story. Yes. Um, but wait that's so exciting oh man that's so cool yeah. you're, you're you're like a real adult I'm still I don't know I don't what I feel am. like it but it, I I guess so by by society standards I'm a real adult but it's uh I don't know if I'll ever feel like I am though okay before we go because it's almost yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um TikTok I want to talk about that yes. so that one like how, how did you get into that and what what I guess started your you know uh your your uh, what's the word i'm looking for your climb and like the 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 ranks of tiktok you know how the what got you that big following and have you had to deal with any sort of like online bullying because the bigger social media presence you get the more trolls there are so yeah what what just go into all of that yeah um so i just started making tiktoks during the pandemic i i've said this before, but it was like the the normal, I think, cycle of TikTok where I was getting sent to videos and I was like, what's this dumb app? I'm never going to download this. And then I downloaded it. And then I was like, well, I'm never going to post anything. And then I posted one thing and I was like, I'm never not posting anything ever again. And it just, my addiction skyrocketed. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. I was just making silly lip sync videos for the most part. And then I was like, why am I doing that? Like, I've always wanted to put my impressions online, but YouTube's always terrified me just the long form. I'm like, I, I, I give so much props to the people. Like I have a friend, Anna, who's amazing on their Brizzy voices and like Brian Hall voices. Um, but I was always just too intimidated to do it. But I was like, this is from anywhere from 10 seconds to a minute long. Like that seems a little more tangible for me. So I started doing some impression stuff. And then the first video that kind of started to gain me a following was I did a Siri impression video. Like it was a trend that I changed the words to, but I was talking to Alexa as Siri and people loved that. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll keep doing Siri stuff. And then I started doing some more, more impressions and, and, and I kind of hit, I hit a million followers, which blew my mind uh, at the beginning of this year. But then I started this Disney series. My friend Marcella did this great video where she was showing how you could like easily transition from one celebrity impression to another. And I reached out to her and I was like, can I use your similar like format, but do Disney characters? And she's like, please go for it. 
And that just blew up. And I jumped from a million to two million in a span of like a couple months, which was wild. My five-year-old um, loves those videos, by the way. Oh, I, I, I love I that. TikTok with her all the time. And then when those come up, I'm like, oh, look, that's daddy's friend. And I'll go through like a lot of the Disney ones because she's crazy about those Dude, yeah, yeah, I try on my TikTok because I've realized my audience skews pretty young. And I mean, I work on Disney and Nickelodeon cartoons. And so I love doing kids stuff. So I'm like, I, I like keeping it pretty PG on my page. Um, but yeah, those Disney ones really blew up and that's lately what's been crazy. And then just recently, like Buzzfeed did a feature where they put all of my, uh, not all, but a bunch of the compilations together. And so then that made my Instagram blow. Like, it's just wild how I have an eyelash in my eye, but that's just, it's just wild how the internet works. Like, it's like one thing can take off and then it, it just, it just exploded. So Yeah. Dealing with that's been really interesting. It's also a strange, like TikTok's such a strange app where your follower count doesn't necessarily equal views. So then you feel this pressure of like, well, this video didn't do well. And I'm I'm now at the point where I don't care. I'm just posting the stuff that I want to post. And if it blows up, awesome, cool. More people get to enjoy it. If it doesn't, I enjoyed making it. And that's all there was. Um, but as far as bullying, nothing too bad. I'm knocking on wood, thankfully, yet. Um, I, I mean, every now and then I'll get mean comments or especially on impression videos, you know, there are always people in the comments saying how they could do it better or it's really terrible or this, this, that, but, and I will say like, sometimes those stick with me for a second, but then I sit back and take a minute and I'm like, look, my actual job is voice acting. I know I have a good ear for this because in my real profession, I do voice matching, which is basically when a celebrity isn't available to come in, a lot of the times they'll hire someone who can like identically replicate their voice, where it's even more than just an impression. It's like you cannot be indistinguishable from them. Um, and so I'm like, I know, I know, I know I'm doing a good job and I'm not going to let some random internet person tell me this is bad and I'm not going to let it ruin my day. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it hasn't been too bad because I, I did a uh, YouTube channel where I just did movie reviews and stuff for a little while. Um, and it, I got, I think, like 6,000 subscribers. It was nothing crazy. But awesome, um, there was uh, the, the most common insult that I got was one about my or two of them. One about my hair. I had a lot of people. One one specific one that sticks out was be bald. You look gross, which I thought the wording was kind of funny. Um, but and it never bothered me because I like my hair. But Another one that I always like, and it didn't really bother me, but it was just kind of a weird insult. I was told at least half a dozen times that I look like a serial killer. Um, and <laughs> oh, I get that I look like, I don't, do you know Phineas and Ferb at all? The yes. show, the cartoon? There's a, a balloon character on it called Balloony. And people are like, you look like Balloony. And I'm like, cool. I know I got a big round head. I'm aware, people. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, I'm. <laughs> Like stuff, it's silly. Like people are just trying to find something to to poke fun at, and oh, always. And you, they're usually like when the few times that I've actually taken the time to be like, "Whoa, that was a mean comment." Who wrote that? I'll click their profile, and it's a twelve year old, and it's like, eh. yeah, whatever. Eh. Yeah, yeah, they'll learn. It's, it's they're letting they're putting out some of their own hurt into the world, and they'll they'll grow up. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, the, the comment sections can be wild. I The best advice I ever got, because when I started working on Star Wars Forces of Destiny, the, my co-star, Kat, who I love, who voiced Padme for it, was like, don't read comment sections. And I was like, of course I won't. Goes and reads the comment section right after. <laughs> yeah. It's hard yeah, not to. It really is, because you want to know. And then it is funny, because it's like you can get 100 really nice comments, and then there's one negative one, and you're like... 
but I really do try and I have gotten better as I've been on TikTok longer to just be like, I don't need to read the comment section. I'll go on. I respond to a couple comments just to like interact with people. And then I never look at the comment section again. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I think that's a healthy approach. Um, Before we go though. So I have two things. One, I want to ask, since we talk a lot about insecurities and things we struggle with, I want to ask you something that you love about yourself and then plug anything that you want to plug, anything you're working on or that you have coming up. So sure. something you love about yourself. Ooh. Oh, man, I don't I, I haven't thought about this. Um, I really like my personality. <laughs> I think I'm really weird. And I think I am because I used to kind of be embarrassed to really be who I was because I, I just wanted to be cool when I was younger. And I've realized I'm never going to be cool to anybody but me and it shouldn't matter anyway. And like, I think I'm cool because I'm weird. So I like my personality. Um, And then plugging wise, uh, what can I talk about? That's the sucky thing about like the industry is the NDAs where I'm like, oh, there's so many things I want to say. You can catch me on uh, if you have kids or if you're a younger person listening, I'm recurring on a Nick Jr. show called Baby Shark's Big Show. I play Raina on that. Um, and I'm stoked about that. Otherwise, I'm always making content on TikTok, which my my ats on there and Instagram are Shelby H. Young. And then on Twitter, it's just a lot of meme content usually, which is uh, just Shelby underscore Young. <laughs> nice. It was so good talking to you. And it was great talking to you too. Catching up. It's, I, I really can't believe like how fast time flies. Seriously, I still can't get over the fact you have children. Yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. I have, really I have cats. <laughs> yeah, that counts. It's yeah. basically the same. Well, that was my conversation with my old friend, Shelby Young. It was great, like I said, not only to catch up with her, but to kind of have the first real, uh, you know, deep one-on-one conversation that that I've had with her. You know, I had talked about the only real encounters that we had had with each other were in a more group setting before. But I really enjoyed talking to her. She has a very positive energy and, and outlook. And uh, yeah, I, I that's the kind of people that, that I like to be around. Um, also, be sure to go follow her on TikTok at Shelby H. Young, uh, as well as Instagram and Twitter, but especially TikTok, because that's where she posts all of her voiceover videos and Uh, you know, her impressions and stuff like that, because it really is mind blowing some of the voices and impressions that she's able to do. Uh, And if you have any kiddos, I think they will especially love it because as a parent, uh, my five year old definitely enjoys them. But yeah, I really hope that all of you enjoyed that conversation. There are several uh, other actor friends that, that Shelby and I hung out with back in the day. Uh, that I will be interviewing on this podcast sometime in the future. I've already reached out. They've said that they're interested. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited for all of you to hear from them because there's some some really cool uh, people that, that were in that old friend group of ours. And I'm glad that we've all been able to keep in touch on some level um, through social media, which is, is really cool. And I'm excited to reconnect with all of them uh, like I was able to do with Shelby. You know, that's that's been my favorite part about this whole thing, I think, is you know, I, I set out to do this podcast to help the listeners understand that they're not alone and that they're, everyone goes through something. And that's still my goal. That's still the goal of the podcast. But another gift that I've been given through this podcast is getting to reconnect with old friends or 
in th- this instance with Shelby, get to connect with them on a deeper level than I had before. Uh, because some of these people I've known for most of my life, but we're talking about things that maybe we had never talked about before. And that's probably been my favorite thing about this is just getting to connect with people and even people I didn't previously know, like Paul Walter Hauser or or Charles Baker. You know, it, it's cool getting to talk to people that I've admired for a while and I've been aware of, uh, but then getting to see them face to face, even if it is through a f- computer screen. Um, and get to know them as a person because then moving forward, now I'll, I'll never watch a Paul Walter Hauser movie without knowing the things that I know about him from our conversation and without it being a personal thing where it's like, oh yeah, I know that guy and he's a really good person. So it's been really cool just getting to connect with people, whether they're old friends, um, or old acquaintances or complete strangers, uh, and and talking to them in a really meaningful way and opening up to them and having them open up to me. I've grown closer to some people through this podcast and uh, had new friendships develop through this podcast. So I, I can't wait to continue this this whole process with all of these amazing people. Uh, speaking of amazing people, now it is time to talk about my next guest. We, we had met a couple times in the past. We actually went to the same college several years apart, but... Um, we went to the the same acting college in Dallas, which is KD Conservatory. And uh, it's just a 15-month a uh, program, and we both went through the film acting uh, program there. And uh, he has since gone on to star in movies like Sicario, Three Burials, Cowboys and Aliens, the upcoming Netflix film, The Harder They Fall, with uh, Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors. And he also played a major role in Narcos Mexico, both seasons of that. Uh, The list goes on and on. I'm talking about actor Julio Cedillo, and uh, he is such an incredible actor. He's held his own with, you know, people like Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig and Benicio Del Toro. He's just built such an impressive career, and it's all been from Dallas Fort Worth where he's always lived and you know for most of his life at least and has continued to because you know this is home and he didn't take the conventional route of moving out to LA or New York or whatever he stayed here and still was able to build this impressive career but it wasn't without adversity uh and that's something that we talked about in our conversation so i'm really excited for you to hear from Julio to to hear about his experience as a Mexican immigrant as a uh, Latino in Hollywood, uh, sometimes, you know, getting typecast or, or, you know, getting offers that on paper might just be stereotypical or even borderline offensive, but then finding something to bring to it to add depth and make it more real. And that's something that I, I love about him as an actor and uh, as a person. He's just such an, an awesome person with a huge heart. And I think that will be apparent to all of you when you listen to that episode. Um, but until then, I hope all of you have a great week. Remember to love your limp. And uh, before you go, be sure to enjoy this original music by Devin Levi and give him a follow at Devin Levi Music. Y'all have a good one. Mm-hmm.